Everything's going up. Stocks only go up. This is the easiest game I've ever been a part of. You buy your planes, you buy your trains, you buy your automobiles, you buy your casinos, and you're rich. You're rich. You're Scrooge McDuck rich. Dave Portnoy is pretty much correct. For the past six months, you've been able to buy almost any stock and have seen pretty good gains. The stock market continues on its onslaught one step higher every single day, breaking records despite any news around the world. We can have the capital being overran by people. We can have unemployment. We can have a virus that the rollout of the vaccines is sluggish. We can have anything going on in the world, but stocks only seem to be headed in one direction, and that's up. The big question for investors is how long can this continue? We're going to look at that question in this episode. Let's first take a little trip down memory lane. In January of 2020, we had Ray Dalio saying this. You can't jump into cash. Cash is trash. Cash is trash. That's what investors are saying the beginning of 2020. Shortly, just a month later, the S&P 500 started to run into trouble when investors realized that the coronavirus was going to be a bigger issue than they had previously anticipated. The S&P 500 started to sell off rapidly. Every single day, investors were wanting to know how much more selling there's going to be. March 11th, the Dow plunges 10% in one day amid coronavirus fears for its worst day since the 1987 market crash. 10% in one day, and this is just one of the many days of the stock market sell-off. March 18th, coronavirus has spurred a global race for cash. Cash, which just two months ago was considered trash, is now the thing that everybody in the world wants. Everybody wants to have cash. And that race for cash continued to cause this massive sell-off. In March 27th, Bill Ackman called into CNBC with a phone call that echoed many of the fears that investors had during that time. Hell is coming, okay? And I, I felt, you know, it's really, I've never had this experience before in my life. The closest I had was the financial crisis where I'm saying, you know, things are coming, bad stuff's coming. Um, but this was a feeling like I've never had, like there's a tsunami coming, right? The tsunami's coming and you feel it in the air. Hell is coming. A tsunami's coming, and you can feel it in the air. Eight months ago, investors were terrified. They didn't know what was around the corner. Even in July, when there was more clarity, the stock market had recovered some, and the first stimulus was given out, investors were still wary. Wealthy Americans have less doubt about market rally, but still fear stock investing. Even in July, they were still fear about the stock market. Just one month later, the S&P 500 hits a new record, an all-time high, and it continues to go up after that. In the past six months alone, the S&P 500 is up 21%, breaking out above 3,800. Investors are now enthusiastic. From the Wall Street Journal just this week, the markets rally, and it highlights a bet on the recovery. Investors are showing signs of increasing exuberance. The excitement's there, the exuberance there, and the optimism is now there. And with all those factors, with excitement and exuberance and optimism, there's a lack of fear and there's a lot of risk. Investors' appetite for risk has grown dramatically over the past six months. We're seeing articles like this from Bloomberg. Who needs Tesla analyst when there's Reddit? No longer are investors listening to traditional valuations of company. They're ignoring analysts and going to forums like Reddit to get their investing advice. Subreddits like Wall Street Bets that glamorize short-term gains and large speculative bets have grown dramatically over the past year. This subreddit alone has doubled in size in 2020, gaining over a million members, and it's very active. This is a subreddit that encourages people to go into large, high-risk speculative bets. 
In the pursuit of short-term gains, investors are willing to buy almost anything without even understanding what they're buying. Elon Musk tweeted about downloading an app called Signal, and a stock that shared a similar name spiked in price. This is Josh Brown on CNBC explaining this investor behavior. So in the business, the technical term for this type of trend, we like to call this, uh, this is what's known as an LOL formation, totally ridiculous. I think that investors right now are behaving like this. We saw it over the summer with Eastman Kodak. They're getting even more pronounced. I don't know what ends up happening with the stock. I'm not buying it. I'm not shorting it. I'm just bringing it up because if we see much, much more of this, it should probably make you nervous just about investor appetites right now. He's right about investor appetite. This stock signal, which is a unknown OTC stock that doesn't matter at all, saw a 5,400% return just because Elon Musk tweeted out something that shared a similar name to it. He wasn't even referring to this company. And this appetite for risk isn't just found in these anecdotal examples like Elon Musk's tweets. We can also look at empirical data. Look at this graph. It illustrates that the riskier an asset is, the less intrinsic value it has, the better the asset has performed since November of 2020. The riskier the asset, the better the performance. Investors are seeking risk. At the top of the charts, we have Bitcoin, which is possibly the riskiest and most volatile asset in the market. It recently went from $42,000 in one day to just two days later being worth $30,000, losing 25% of its value in three days. And that one's topped the charts as the best performing asset. Underneath that, we have SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies. These are highly risky. Investors really don't know what company they're buying until it's merged into a public company. It's like a mystery box. But this is the second best performing asset since November of 2020. In third place, we have IPOs, initial public offerings. These were once historically viewed as being highly risky, usually overpriced. People like Warren Buffett would never buy an IPO, but now we're seeing investors pile into them. They're doubling in price on the first day. Investors have a huge appetite for IPOs. Underneath that, we have small companies, the Russell 2000, which historically were viewed as more risky than bigger stable companies. And then we have the NASDAQ 100, which has companies that have very high price to earning ratios. And then in the very last place, in number six, the lowest returning asset is the S&P 500, companies that have lower PE ratios and more dependable and predictable earnings. A lot has changed in the past eight months. We went from a global race to cash, investors selling out of as many assets as possible to raise up their cash position, and investors like Bill Ackman saying hell is coming, a tsunami's coming, to now just eight months later, investors are piling into the most speculative investments as quick as possible. Even the S&P 500, which is arguably the least speculative out of all those investments we just looked at, is now valued way above its historical average. The current P.E. ratio is 22.3 and the average is 16. And then of that, the top 10 companies, those big tech companies, have a current P.E. ratio of 33.3 with the average over the past 30 years being only 19. The valuation of the S&P 500 has stretched a lot and of that, the top companies have stretched even more. So the question is, what is causing this? Should we be concerned about it? And how long can this go on for? Howard Marks addresses those questions in the memo coming into focus. I want to highlight one part of this where he talks about what is called the risk-free rate. That is money that you can earn for free. 
money that you can earn without taking on risk. And he explains how the risk-free rate affects the rest of the market and investment behavior. The yield on the 30-day treasury bill is often referred to as the risk-free rate. There's no credit risk because it's given by the government and the government can print all the money it needs for repayment. And there's no risk of losing purchasing power to inflation since repayment at maturity is only days away. So the 30-day treasury bill is how much money you can earn risk-free. Since the risk-free rate can be earned with complete safety, and most people prefer safety over risk, all else being equal, investors shouldn't take risk without being compensated for doing so. As investments increase in terms of level of uncertainty, an incremental risk premium should be incorporated into the potential returns. Thus, the notion of the capital market line that slopes upward to the right, showing the relationship between risk return as follows. This is the graph that Howard Marks has that shows the relationship between risk and return. You can see that the very low risk, low return investments like treasuries are down there on the bottom left. That's the risk-free rate. That's what you can earn without taking on any risk. And then as we go up through the graph, we have high-grade bonds, and then we have quality stocks right there kind of in the middle. I would say that my dividend growth portfolio fits within that category. I think the stocks that I own are quality stocks that have predictable outcomes. But then you get into aggressive stocks. Those are ones that are a little bit different than quality. They're based more on future earnings. They're a little bit more aggressive. They might be more tech companies that have higher PE ratios. They're growing their revenue a little bit faster, but they're also a little bit more unpredictable. And then we get into high yield bonds, which are even more risky than aggressive stocks. But if they work out okay, you can earn a lot of money with them. And then above that, we have private equity, which is by far more risky than publicly traded companies. Well, what Howard Marks points out is that because the risk-free rate has been dropped significantly over the past year due to the federal fund rate dropping, the expected returns across the entire asset line has been dropped accordingly. High-grade bonds, quality stocks, aggressive stocks, it doesn't matter what you're investing in, the expected returns has been lowered because the risk-free rate is lowered. And this has caused investors to move up this line, seeking the same type of returns and doing that by taking on more risk. The one thing that I think Howard Marks is forgetting in this graph is that he's missing out on a lot of the more speculative and risky investments investors are now moving into. So I added on my own little addendum to the end of this graph. Above the quality stocks and aggressive stocks, we have the high yield bonds, private equity, and then I think we have things like IPOs doubling in price the first day. We have the SPACs, we have Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. We have people racing into any investment that they can possibly make a return because we're living in such a low yield environment. With the federal fund rate being so low and the risk-free rate dropping to near bottom, investors are moving up this line seeking riskier and riskier investments in the pursuit of returns. The question of how long this will go on and how long investors will seek these type of riskier speculative investments is difficult to answer. Nobody knows how long this can continue, but there's people like Jeffrey Gunlock pointing out that some indicators are changing. Well, we're at extraordinarily high valuations is where we are. That's being supported by massive amounts of stimulus, obviously. And one of the things that's fascinating is you go back for decades of stock market data, there are many valuation metrics that are in the top one percentile of overvaluation. So the thing that's keeping it going, though, of course, is the Fed. The the Fed, with rates at zero and promises to stay at zero, um, allows for valuations to be, you know, record-breakingly high. And, And that's where we are. Also, what's very important for a lot of people to understand is that many things that have been persistent trends relative to equity performance have started to reverse one after another after another. For example, emerging markets are outperforming 
the United States. Uh, value is outperforming growth. Weak balance sheets are outperforming strong balance sheets. Um, it goes on and on. Like Howard Marks, Jeffrey also believes that this is being fueled mostly by the Fed and the low interest rates, forcing investors to go into more risky speculative investments to try to earn a return. I run into the same dilemma of where to put my money. I have my investment account, the passive income account worth $183,000 now, and I have the constant question of where should I be putting my money? I could put it into these speculative investments and take on a lot of risk, or I could put it into a savings account and earn essentially nothing, having my money decay in a savings account, or I could put it somewhere in between. And that's what I've ultimately decided. The passive income account is going to be focused on investments in quality companies with predictable outcomes and predictable earnings. I'm not going to have the most breakthrough returns doing this. There's going to be other people that post huge returns with very speculative investments. Sometimes they turn out good and sometimes they have devastating losses. I don't want to take that type of risk. I don't want to take that type of chance. I care about preserving my money a lot. So this account is going to be focused on making continual monthly gains, monthly capital appreciation, monthly dividends. That's going to be a slow and steady path to earning money. But I think for me, that's the right balance between risk and reward. Even with all this exuberance and optimism, and even with investors being very very aggressive in the amount of risk that they're taking on, I still don't think it's time to be short the market or sit on the sidelines with cash. I think that that's the wrong decision. There's other investors like Chamath Polyhapatia that says the elections won't matter. Stocks are going higher over the next four years. You need to be long. He said this September 30th of 2020. And just a few days ago, he said this again. You need to be long. The Fed is keeping interest rates low for a long time. I don't see them raising them for at least another year. So investors are going to continue to put money into riskier assets. If you sit on the sidelines, I think that you're going to lose out on a lot of returns doing that. But I also think that there's a good balance to draw between sitting on the sidelines and racing into the most speculative investments possible. So do your research on what type of risk you're taking on. With my portfolio, in the last month, I've earned $580 in dividends. That's the focus of this, is growing a stream of passive income. I've also earned market gains of $3,600. So this portfolio is growing in both ways. I'm making gains through dividends and market gains. Those $580 are going to be paid out in my cash balance, like this money right here is. And then I'm going to be able to buy additional stock with that. I'm buying what I think are quality companies like Disney, Costco, Wynn Resorts, Home Depot. These are all companies that have very productive assets. They produce a lot of money. In the tech pie, I have my favorite dividend growth tech companies, with Apple being the top holding, valued at now 24000 Then we have Microsoft and Visa and MasterCard, as well as an ETF that gives me exposure to a lot of different software companies. All of these pay dividends and add to this residual income. In the finance pie, I purchased into what I think is the highest quality big bank, which is JP Morgan. This is one that I've talked about over the past couple months, and now I have $5,200 in gains in this one. So this has been one that's returned a significant amount in capital appreciation, plus they're paying me a hefty dividend at the same time. These are the type of companies that I'm looking for. Ones that are very productive. Ones that are less speculative. These companies have incredible amounts of net income. If you want to earn good returns, you don't have to venture off into extremely speculative high-risk bets. You can earn good returns with quality companies. So ultimately, I agree with Chamath. I think that you need to be long. You need to be invested. This video is not to say to sell all your stocks, to keep your money in a bank account. You're never going to earn any money keeping your money in a savings account. You'll never get wealthy doing that. So I think that you need to be long and you need to be invested, but at the same time, do it with a level of caution. 
I would caution investors into going in to these very speculative investments, these very high-risk investments. There's investors piling into them more and more every single day. I can see it on social media. I can see it in the numbers. I can see it across YouTube. Investors are seeking short-term gains more and more as time goes on. And nobody knows how long that can continue without it reverting. But the more risk that you take on, the more chance there is of substantial loss. In my portfolio, I don't plan on taking those risks. So with all that being said, I still remain fully optimistic about the future. I think that 2021 is going to be a good year, and I'm investing along with the rest of you. I have the majority of my money in the stock market, so I don't have some secret savings account with millions of dollars in it. I have the majority of my money invested in the stock market along with you guys, and I remain very optimistic about the future. I've been following this vaccine tracker from Bloomberg, and it shows the amount of people getting vaccinated across the world and in the U.S. has gone up substantially just over the past couple of days. This was at like 5 million just a few days ago. So this vaccine's being given out, and I think that we'll be able to defeat the coronavirus this year. If that happens, I think people will be happy to invest in these productive companies. So I remain optimistic about the future. I'm fully invested. If you guys want to see the specific companies I'm invested in, I'll leave a link in the description that you can look at that. And another thing I'll mention that would help me out is if you subscribe to the secondary channel. We've almost reached 9,000 subscribers, which I think is pretty good for the first month. This is my secondary YouTube channel. It's called Joseph Carlson After Hours. It's a more relaxed version of the show, and I post on it about once a week. So if you want additional content, you can check that channel out there. And other than that, you guys have a good time investing. I'll see you next time.